Yo, what's up, guys? Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Lenko Show. This time we are on episode number 80, and we're going to be dissecting stretching. So this is kind of a last-minute emergency podcast on a Thursday, basically due to being sent a video from someone which, you know, again, begs the question as to, like, are the experts talking complete sense? Or is some of it absolute drivel? And what is the best possible advice? What is the advice I would give to my athletes? And what is the advice I would give to you as a dear listener and a dear follower, which is greatly appreciated. Now, the first thing I want to come to, I saw something else earlier today as well, which was Brad Schoenfeld. If you don't know him, one of the best researchers there is when it comes to uh, bodybuilding, muscle growth, hypertrophy, uh, and essentially delving deep into the principles of training and, you know, assessing biology and mechanics of muscle growth and going really, really in depth in training, the effects of training. And he was calling out BS on someone who needs BS calling out on them big time. It's someone who I've whinged about for a long time about their methodology being the only methodology and that methodology being the best methodology ever for everything that ever existed. I'm surprised it hasn't been, you know, touted as creating world peace kind of thing. I'm sure when world peace eventually does come around, if it ever does, it will certainly be highlighted as that as well, but it's complete and utter nonsense. Anyway, it was good to see that Brad Schoenfeld was, calling this person out and i don't even want to name him but you will know who i'm talking about when i mentioned 90 degree eccentric isometrics which again the very fact that he's making that thing irritates me it's just tempo reps with a co-contraction at the bottom and uh, just if you're talking partial range of movement training you're only ever doing that you are missing out on a whole big chunk of training which is where stretching kind of comes into the equation and comes into the debate so the video I was sent earlier today was from somebody. Um, well, sorry, it wasn't from somebody. It was of somebody, a physio or potentially a massage therapist or a coach of some sort, stretching a person and identifying weakness or strength from one limb to the other. And, you know, a pretty typical assessment of limb strength. So physios can generally get a good idea as to how the body's feeling. And he basically came to the conclusion and told his athlete, you should never stretch. Don't do it. It's a waste of time. And then I think I think the, the question in the video was like, well, should, should anybody stretch? And he was like, no, nobody, ever, never. And when you see this kind of advice, and this was posted on social media, I think it's got thousands of likes. There's over 20 or 30,000 followers on their Instagram channel. And when you see that kind of advice being pushed, and as an athlete, you look at that and you think, Oh, so stretching is a complete waste of time. And then you get it in your head as like, well, oh, there's no point in me doing that. So you don't do it. You don't stretch. And it's not necessarily the most beneficial thing for you to do. So what I kind of want to do is break down that philosophy, why it might have come around, and then what you should actually do. And the, some of the actual research, which I've noted down, I have prepared for this. I have delved deep into this uh, well sorry no i haven't delved deep it's, it's taken me about 10 minutes to pull this together because i've already got the books i've already got the research uh, it's just a case of me talking to you about it now so it took me about five ten minutes when i got home to prepare for this 
I'm hoping I will do a better job of explaining it to you than a 30 second Instagram clip going, don't do stretching. So let's see how we go, shall we? Now, the first thing is I, I generally will always trust my gut. I'll trust my experience. I will trust how things feel to me and how I see them with my eyeballs. Now, uh, there's a lot to be said for the ability to do that sort of thing. Most people don't seem to be able to accept what their eyes are telling them. But anyway, needless to say, as an athlete, I have felt incredible when I've used foam rollers, when I've used stretching, when I've done things the right way. There is no doubt in my mind, you feel different, you feel better, and you're able to perform better. I will come into where the research contrasts this, but in advance of this, I sent on the same video to a stretching expert. So this podcast is being recorded in association with in association with Performance Stretch UK. Now I asked Louise about this, who she's an experienced sports massage therapist. She's based in Nottingham. She works, she's worked with loads of NFL players, collegiate athletes, loads of American football players, a lot of contact sport athletes. And she's been training people and getting them into the best shape possible to be able to perform. Now, I asked her about this particular situation and I just wanted to get her opinion on it. Now, let me just pull this up. So I'm going to quote, I'm just going to read from, from the message here and hopefully it all makes sense to you. So there's been years of research of pros and cons of stretching and I will dig into that in a moment. And still to this day, people in the industry, people that she fully respects are very much either for or against. Now, here's my thing. Immediately, when you're for or against something, 100%, like if I was to go on the extreme side of it and go stretching, everybody needs to stretch. Everybody needs to be doing two hours a day of stretching, every single muscle group, and every single person should be doing it no matter what. That's a problem. Equally, on the opposing side of that, saying that nobody needs to stretch, no one should ever stretch, and no one should ever do it, is also wrong. So, as with most things, the truth lies in that boring, dull, grey bit in the middle. We will get into that. Anyway, most negative reactions, but back to quoting here, most negative reactions are due to, are to static stretching done by the individual themselves, as athletes tend to record no evident change in their performance, Okay, so there is you stretch and there is no evident change, beneficial change in your performance. So then you come with a question. How many times have you stopped when you feel that pull and you think you've done enough? And then you go back on the field and you get an injury and then blame the stretch as being pointless. You have to stretch deeper in multiple planes and with movement. You've got to stretch the fascia, the connective tissue, get right behind the joint capsule to get the benefits. Correct. And I will be reading out some of the princi 10 principles of stretching based on the stretch to win protocols, which Louise has done a similar training to the stretch to win. Um, this is why she advocates the particular type of stretching that she does. So you deeper enhance your flexibility and mobility, which in turn changes the elasticity of the soft tissue, fascia, tendons, muscle, etc., with a long-term, longer-term effect, more permanent psychological change. So we need to understand that stretching, when you think about... If you go to the supermarket and buy a steak, all right, a hunk of beef, chunk of muscle, right? You go and try and pull that apart or you belt it with a rolling pin and you try and roll it out. How far do you get with that? 
not very far. Like muscles are tough, they're dense, they're thick. And then if you're trying to change those length tension relationships, it's not easy. So the majority of the benefits of stretching actually come about from simply relaxing the nervous system, being able to control, let go of holding on to that tension, release that range of movement and being able to then control that, which is where your brain will allow you to go into that range of movement. I think about this a lot after an in, after people get injured. So a lot of the time, I know when I did my ankle, broke my leg a few years back. When I first came back, obviously I'd been in a cast for a little while. So I'd done loads of stretching, all that was great. And then it was like, when I went back to squatting, I couldn't then access a range of movement that I know I'd got because I'd done the stretching. I'd seen it. I I know my ankle can dorsiflex better than I'm currently getting in a squat. What's the problem? I'm holding a load of tension in the front of my ankle that's actually preventing me from going even further. All right, so being able to relax the nervous system, switch that off and allow your body to access the range of movement. If it feels like, think about it this way, the body is going to protect itself. The mind is going to protect the body. If it feels like there's going to be trouble, if it feels like you're in danger or you haven't got the strength and the capacity to access that range of movement safely, it just won't let you go there. It'll put a neural blocker on it and you will be prevented from moving in the way that you're aiming to actually move. Uh, where are we? So, okay. So stretching doesn't hit. Yeah, <laughs> this is good. She says stretching doesn't change the length of the, it sounds like I'm cheating here. It sounds like I've read ahead, just gone and said everything. And then I'm going to claim it all as my own work. Sorry. I did warn her that I would do that. Um, stretching doesn't change the length of the muscle, but encourages the nervous system to accept the new position. I believe that's what I just said. This is good. I told her we agree on this stuff. This is excellent. Um, <laughs> yeah, encourages the nervous system to accept the new position that is expected of it is an increased range of movement in turn, enabling stronger joints, better movement patterns, equating to minimizing injury. Lovely. And then when you can't open up a joint, you just simply open up other tissue, ligaments, tendons, etc. So it all comes down to, are you biased one way or the other? And Here's the the big thing. Uh, actually, oh, should I ruin it? Am I uh, yeah, I'm gonna ruin it now. Uh bear with me one second whilst I find this. Here we go. Apologies, I just needed to find this little quote here. So right. Th there is more of a paragraph to this, but I'm just gonna nail the bottom bit for you, just the final like half a sentence. Stretching works best when it is individualized to the person or group. Holy shit, boss. Who would have thought that? A program works best when it is individualized to the person or group and not simply generalized and thrown out there as, oh, it's excellent. This is going to work for everybody. It's absolute nonsense. So one of the examples I want to give you is a lot of the time, looking at uh, a person overall they they might actually have it's so thinking about someone who tears their hamstrings a lot right perfect example of this a lot of the time in recovery one of the answers i hear all the time is go and stretch go and stretch more go and stretch your hamstrings go and stretch your hamstrings so they, so they go and they just jam on hamstring stretch two minutes and hold that position without understanding 
the length of that muscle in the first place. So you need to understand if a muscle feels tight, you have two options. Is it tight because it's short and it needs stretching? I.e. think about what happens if you've got cramp. Massive contraction of the muscles, severe pain. You need to stretch here, right? That's a bit of an extreme example, but that's an example of the muscle being short and you need to lengthen it for that optimal range. And this is where movement comes into the picture as well, because if you think about moving through a full range of movement with weight, like if you hit the bottom of a squat, that is as good a stretch as any for your hips. That's perfect. Keep doing that, right? Hip mobility is great. Then if you were to think about if the, the opposite side of that, so the opposite side of it being short and tight, which it very rarely is in the case of the hamstrings. Very, very few people tear their hamstrings because their hamstrings are short and tight. They might be weak, but a lot of the time, the hamstrings are already long. They're already stretched. And think about if you were to take an elastic band and lengthen it, okay, and that's your hamstring day-to-day -day in a long position where it's already on stretch, and then you go, and a lot of the time, that is actually incredibly beneficial for fast twitch athletes, fast twitch performance athletes. You need that tension in your hamstring. You need them to be slight, like, you need them to be bouncy in a like a highly strung band where you get a good bit of ping from it. So you get a good bit of speed, a good bit of contraction, a good bit of pop. But we don't want the whole thing going. Now, when you've already got long hamstrings, simply saying, oh, just go on hamstring stretch. If it's already long and you keep trying to make it longer, you're going to make it weaker and you're going to make it more susceptible to a tear. So this is where the strength work plays a bigger role because you've already got tight hamstrings. Your hamstrings are already long. Your range of movements are actually already pretty good. You might try and work more of the neural system and being able to relax it a bit more. That might be a beneficial way to go. But that's where working on movement patterns, neural coordination through running, sprinting, and being able to simply sprint on a frequent basis is going to help prevent any hamstring damage. And uh, what else was I going to say? I was thinking of something else for a second, then I've lost my train of thought. So working on your sprinting and then actually targeting it with specific strength work, obviously Nordics get touted as a really, really useful way to go. If you were to put all of that together and go, right, okay, well, we're going to look at an athlete. We're going to say he's got severe hamstring issues. He's always struggled with it. Let's have a look at the full picture. What is going to be beneficial? Stretching in a manner that is actually suited towards being able to relax the hamstrings, being able to contract the quads, being able to relax the quads, contract the hamstrings, making sure we've got efficient full range of movement available and then actually strengthening and then reinforcing specific movement patterns, which are either going to put the athlete at risk and we need to work on them, improve them, make them more efficient and expose them to it on a more gradual basis, increasing their threshold and their capacity to handle it and ultimately developing that all round picture rather than going right, bang, here you go, just stretched. Or saying, what you need to do is simply go out and sprint more. Again, bad idea. Sitting on one side or the other, I don't like it. I tend to prefer meet in the middle, think about it. So this is where it all comes from. I mean, you've kind of had my take. We've had the take from 
Louise from Performance Stretch, and I will be getting her on the podcast at some point fairly soon. But I'm going to talk you through the research behind stretching and kind of why it's being lambasted as useless and the evidence against it. So many fascial researchers, as well as some therapists, trainers, have ad- have not advocated any stretching because much of the scientific literature has shown outcomes of dec- decreased performance in activities that measure strength and power output. So popular health, wellness and fitness coaches, organizations, journals, magazines, all of them jumped on the bandwagon to condemn stretching largely due to those studies. What most people didn't realize was that most of those studies actually refer to stretching in the general sense and failed to mention that they only studied static stretching. Unfortunately, this has led to confusion in fitness and sports exactly where we are at the moment as to whether it's even necessary to stretch. Despite the negative research, many people have actually continued to stretch because they experience faster recovery, decreased pain, greater mobility, increased strength, greater speed, and other positive outcomes. So this is where I'm saying from an athlete's point of view, if you see that there's a block of research says, don't do it, it's useless, not good for you, but you think, hold on, I've tried it, I feel better for it, I feel great for it, I actually see a benefit, keep doing it, right? Ignore the external noise, ignore the naysayers, ignore those little pockets of potentially biased factors and do what you know is actually working for you. And if you're a little bit on the fence, if you're a bit unsure, if you see that the research says one thing and you go, "Mm, well, should I do it? Go and try it, see for yourself. Uh, Where was I? So, Tons of positive outcomes. I will get more into depth with regards to the outcomes and the benefits of it later on. One study of participants aged 65 years and older actually showed an improved function after static stretching. Thus suggesting that that stretching works best when it's individualized to the person or group. So again, that's what I was saying before. That's the little snippet of the sentence I snatched. So stretching may occur along a very wide spectrum. So possibilities of the most, most of which have not been scientifically researched. Research on all aspects of stretching is in its infancy. So it's it's not a flooded data field, not like studying creatine or anything like that, the most researched supplement on the planet. So there needs to be more work on it, but we're gradually getting there. We're gradually seeing more and more useful benefits for it. And I think that's where, you know, for the people who are stretching, who are experiencing the benefits of it, keep doing it. That kind of points you in the direction of there has to be some benefit. So the traditional definition of the word stretch obviously in fitness and sports has been typically linked to simply static stretching which is just holding stretches that are done to achieve gains in muscle length and joint range of movement so think about just holding a hamstring stretch for example or just holding a quad stretch whereas we need to start thinking about it in a different sense so here's another definition for you you don't have to take it with you but a good little way to think about it Stretching is anything that makes tissue move into a barrier that limits movement of that tissue. 
is undergoing a force that can be described as a stretch. So anything that makes tissue move into a barrier that limits movement of that tissue is undergoing a force that can be described as a stretch. Most mobility exercises are actually movement-based, so dynamic stretches that improve, restore, or correct mobility. I might have said that a little bit weird, then I kind of tripped over my words, so apologies for that, but I'm not going back to edit it. Now, <laughs> the benefits of stretching, I'm just going to rattle them off here. So there's a lot more positive research on the benefits. Um, here we go. I'll just rattle these off. Stretching increases range of movement. Range of movement increases bilaterally from a unilateral stretch. So you can hold one side and you actually see benefits on both sides. Static and dynamic warm-ups are equally effective at increasing range of movement. Pre-contraction -contra pre stretching lowers the excitability of muscle. A pre-stretch contraction has been associated with greater acute gains in range of movement compared to static stretching. A contrast to static stretching, sorry, in contrast to static stretching, can't read at the minute, been told recently that I can't read. <laughs> In contrast to static stretching, dynamic stretching is not associated with strength or performance benefits, deficits. Fucking hell, I really can't read. So this this is, I think, a good example of this is uh, for people who experience a lot of back pain, one of the things that they will typically do first thing in the morning is get out of bed before they've done anything, moved anywhere, they're bending over, trying to touch the toes. What that is actually doing is hammering their spine. I think about triathletes that do this, that stand around on the start line, or not necessarily just triathletes, but distance runners, typically people that don't necessarily do tons of strength work or activation work, they'll stand on the start line and then to get loose, they'll stand there holding stretches, holding quad stretches, holding hip flex stretches, holding hamstring stretches. And I think about this from a point of view of, I always use the analogy of, if you've got a 10-story building, you've got a balcony on the top floor, then you decide what you want to do so your movement is limited to that balcony. That is a kind of an example of your range of movement. There's a barrier up. You've got that floor you can explore on. And then that barrier is kind of your neural blocker, your ability to not go further than that to avoid going off the edge. Now, if you were to say, right, my balcony is really small. My range of movement is tiny. I need to increase it. You go, right, okay, well, let's extend it. So you stretch, you remove the barrier, you increase the surface area, the floor that you've got to then explore on your balcony. Hopefully you're still with me. Then if you go and perform before you put that railing back in, before you put that barrier up and establish control over that range of movement, you are leaving yourself open to the opportunity of going completely off the edge, which is not a good way to go. So we need to establish once we've actually done any forms of stretching, you need to be in control. You need to be able to access that range of movement comfortably without absolutely smashing yourself. So if you were to go and hold a static stretch, then hit a sprint, you're going to be in trouble. Uh, right, here we go. Dynamic stretching improved dynamometer measured power as well as jumping and running performance. There you go. It's a good one for you athletes. Static stretching performed before or after warm-up does not decrease strength. So again, we probably have to have a little look at the way that that static stretch is being conducted. Um, 
Here we've got increased general and specific range of movement and mobility that result in improved function. I like this next bit. Enhanced mental and emotional focus, enhanced feelings of well-being and confidence. Oh, they sound like terrible things. Improved hydration and elimination of waste, improved sleep and elimination of pain. Holy shit, boys, who would have thought that that was that good? Then there is a lot more to this, but I think I am going to save some of this to explore with Louise when she comes on the podcast. So those are the benefits. You've heard my take on it. You need to be thinking about this as an individual. I suggest either go and see a well-qualified trainer, a well-qualified coach. You can speak to me. Or you can go and see someone such as Louise at Performance Stretch UK. I will tag her in the show notes for this episode. So make sure you go and check her out on Instagram if you're not already following her and ask her any questions. If you've got a problem with anything I've said, just go and speak to her. Just go, why is Lenko talking shit? And she'll explain it better than I can. But keep your eyes and ears peeled for this podcast when she is on it. Make sure you are subscribed. Again, appreciate you listening in and tuning in to me babbling on. If you enjoy the show. If you think I talk sense and common sense, which is in short supply, then please feel free to leave a review. That would be absolutely awesome. And I have got coming up very, very soon. My next guest is a football performance specialist. It's going to be Ben from Your Peak Performance. He's coming on the podcast to talk all things football. We'll probably get into stretching. We'll get into strength training for footballers off-season preparation, in-season preparation, loads and loads of questions for him. So make sure you tune in for that one and keep on top of this podcast for future episodes where we will have Louise from Performance Stretch UK on the show. Anyway, until then, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you again. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've learned a bit from it and I hope you found it useful. I hope you don't feel like you've got any kind of how should I say, biases that are misguided and you understand the concept of you probably should be stretching, you should also be doing the strength work and you should probably also go and speak to someone about how to stretch properly to maximise your performance. I will be back again soon with another episode of the Lenko Show. Till then, that's it from me, Lenko, out.